Welcome everybody to episode 109 of the Startup Show. Today I'm here at the headquarters of Felful with the co-founders and I'm very excited to talk about entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship as a couple, food tech and many other interesting topics. Make sure to stay all the way till the end. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Startup Show, episode 109. And today I'm here at the headquarters of Felfel together with the couple entrepreneurs, the founders, Daniela and Emanuel Steiner. Welcome to the show. Thank you for Thank having you. us. If you don't mind, ladies, first, and give us a few words about yourself, please. Sure. Hi, my name is Daniela. I love food. I studied banking and finance in St. Gallen a while ago. After that, I went to Partners Group, spent some time in New York, the world heaven of uh, food, I'd say. And uh, after that, I founded my first company, Haylife, and now I'm together with Emmanuel leading Felfel. So you, you moved from, let's say, I would say from, from corporate world also to entrepreneurship. How was that move for you? It was great. <laughs> well, was it, most of the people, they tell me, like, it's tough, or it, like, it needs some kind of adjustment. How was it for It you? needs adjustment. I think the biggest one is that the, the box stops with you. There's nobody else, uh, you know, to catch anything that um, mm -hmm. happens. But at the same time, it's a place where you can really create mastery. You can create um, craft. You can create your product, and nobody, you know, tells you anything. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, Emmanuel, a little bit about yourself so we get to know who, who this couple is here. So, my name is Emmanuel, and I'm originally Swiss, but I grew up in New York, went to college there, went to business school there, and after business school, I decided to come back to Switzerland, see what it's like to work here. Always clear to me that I wanted to start my own thing, and, uh, and that's how I ended up. Uh, starting felt out from there. You uh, did your MBA, if I correctly, at Harvard Business School. So uh, just maybe a short disclaimer, we have a lot of students who watch my show. H how was it, Harvard? Everybody talks about Harvard. Maybe give us a few impressions how it is over there. So when people think about business school, they often put sort of the, the network that you get at business school in, in focus and the meeting of other people. And that's a big part of it, I think, that you really meet super interested, like-minded people who have very diverse experiences. But I think what's special about an MBA is also the quality of teaching is very good. So you actually do learn a lot there. And I think those are lessons that I use in, in, in daily work. And it's very important for Harvard people to use their Harvard mug, which in Zangolan <laughs> yes. is not so important. So, but since I'm with Manu, we use the, the mug. <laughs> the, the mug yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, it's, it's good to have in your bio. I mean, like Harvard is definitely helpful for, um, for a lot of people. And let's talk about Felfolk for, for a short second, just so everybody is on the same page and understand what you guys do, what we have here in the background. It looks nice and shiny, so maybe you can give us a little bit of a rundown of what you exactly do here. Felfolk makes it possible for everybody or every company to offer great, affordable, fresh food, like some know that from Google. Mm -hmm. um, we offer fresh food uh, with this um, vending machine, the Felfel, where people 24 hours a day can grab whatever they want, be it vegan, be it meat, be it spatzli, mm -hmm. typical Swiss food, Asian, breakfast, dinner, whatever you like, and there's really no effort for a company. Walk me through the, through the process. I'm a, um, I work at a company. 
uh, one of your clients. Um, what do I do? Like, is it like I just open, I can take whatever I want, or like, how does it work? So if you don't have a Felfer yet, you should go on our website. <laughs> well, you should tell it's free. You should tell them. Like the it's first, free. <laughs> no, the first, the first time coming for lunch here is free. That's yes. what you told me. We invite companies <laughs> to come here for lunch. Uh, take 10 people with you, um, particularly the cr critical um, eaters, the yes. decision makers. Bring them here. We invite you for lunch. We serve lunch for you. And then you can decide. Once the company has decided that they will have a Felfel, uh, we'll pick a nice place. And uh, the first day, we invite the whole company for lunch. So be it 50 people, 100 people, we invite everybody for lunch. At that time, everybody gets a batch that is connected to an online account, and that works within the first 10 seconds. So everybody can grab food after the launch event. And then you have your online account where you can put a credit card. You can also you know, pay uh, with other methods, and it just works. You don't have to do anything. And also, very important, the company does have no effort. That's a very important promise for us. We take care about the end customers. We take care about anything they want. We deliver the food to the company or the CEO or HR people. They don't have to do anything. Okay, that's super interesting. I mean, like, there's a, a couple of questions there, but maybe you can first explain how you came up with this idea. Like, where, 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 where lies the inspiration? It started when I was at my old job. I was working in consulting uh, right in the middle of, of Zurich in, yeah. in Münstergasse. And even though I was in the middle of the city, there were very few options for lunch, actually. You could go get a Thai takeaway, you could go to a Dönerstand, you can go to Migra Cope and grab a salad or to Globus and spend 20 francs on a salad. And every lunch, everyone would go in a different direction because everyone had a different taste or a different budget and a different uh, health-mindedness. And that was also a huge shame, right? You mm -hmm. wouldn't spend time with people over lunch. And I thought this couldn't be the, the right solution. And that's uh, where I thought having unattended fresh food in the office would solve this problem. The solution needed uh, technology. And, and that's where I started. And probably the most important thing was because Manu is really scared to eat alone. Okay. <laughs> and so with Felfel, he created this opportunity that people can eat together uh, over lunch. Yes, and as my he biggest said, fear is coming out of a meeting at, at one o'clock, everyone already has their lunch buddy and I'm there alone and I eat <laughs> alone over there. By the desk or alone in the cafeteria. Well, I enjoy sometimes to eat by myself. More quiet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's for both. For both. Yeah. Um, tell me about, I mean, like, logistically, I'm thinking just like there's so much behind this um, to get, like, all of these food. How do you work with, let's say, distributors or, like, chefs? And how, how does that work? The best, like, chefs uh, within the company are probably our mathematicians, uh, our software developers who have developed the whole technology to be able to offer fresh food vending. Mm -hmm. Food is something very complicated because the, the flavors change, they only have a certain um, lifetime or shelf time, so it's only possible because we have these people who build a, a software that we, by the way, call Namek. Mm -hmm. uh, Namek means uh, salt in, in Persian. Uh, Emmanuel has Persian um, roots. Uh, Felfel means pepper yeah. in uh, Persian. But no Persian food. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm more curious to know about, let's say, the logistics. So let's say you decide of a, on a new menu and you have like these, these uh, fridges all around uh, Switzerland. How do these stuff get there? And how do you organize all of this? And isn't there a lot of data around that like, you can use somehow? So it's also with um, uh, technology. Everything is really steered through technology. We see what is bought in different um, fell files. Mm -hmm. And like there we can basically adjust the day after mm -hmm. what will be stocked. For example, company A, they have eaten a lot of birchmüsli, so we deliver you know, a lot of birchmüsli the next day. So we can make sure that 
it's always everything is there that people like, and at the same time, food waste is low. And what's important about logistics is that we believe you need a lot of different chefs to get the innovation that our end customers want. So we don't want to produce ourselves and we don't want to work with one kitchen or one big industrial food factory. We work with many small guys, bring the food together, and then get it into uh, all of the, the customers' fridges. And also the taste is much better like this, right? Because it's not just one chef, one cuisine, but it comes from many chefs, many restaurants, so everything really tastes Absolutely. very different and you have a broad variety. I mean, I found some uh, numbers online, uh, how many clients you have, how many fridges you did. Um, you just told me you have more than 150 already distributed. Tell me, how do you foster this idea of growth and get more in clients? Is there like, any formula that you say like that works the best for us? I think in the end, it's really the product. If you have a great product, it sells by itself. And I think in our case, it's really true. We have over 20,000 end consumers. People work at these companies that have Fellfell. And these people, they help us spread the word. They tell other people that, hey, maybe you should ask your boss. You should have Fellfell as well. And this is really like as the way we have grown until um, uh, now. I think it's really important. We live in a, in a world of, of mediocrity um, to, to, to provide value, to not think always cost, but really provide value. How can you increase the value to your customers and not constantly decrease the, the, the value? It sounds a bit cliche, but it's really all word of mouth. Word of mouth, yes. That's, that's what I hear is probably the best uh, strategy for, for many startups to really create such a great product that people just talk about it. Now, you last year, you won the SCF Awards 2017, if I saw that correctly. How was that for you to get recognized by such a, a forum, I guess, of people? It was fantastic. I mean, the, the work up to it and the whole process is actually quite an investment of time because they take the process very seriously. So you have different stages, you have to put together a lot of material, you have a lot of meetings and speeches. audits, speeches, etc. But in the end, it definitely was worth it because to us, unlike to many of the other uh, startups where that are more maybe in-customer focused, mm-hmm. to us, because we're B2B focused, the, the people at the CEF event themselves are our perfect customer group. Mm-hmm. So to us, it really had a great impact because the people listening to Daniela's speech at the event were receptive. And Daniela basically said on stage, you know, dear responsible leaders, uh, if you want to do something... Make your employees happy. (laughs) Book a tasting today, and then people started calling. Really? Yeah. And that really had a big bump in 2017 from that. So, you know, I try to do my questions so it's very relevant to investors. I mean, I also ask them a couple of times off record, like, what would you like to know? And one of the big questions that they always ask me is, like, how does that startup know that their product fits the market? And that's one of the key questions. And I'm curious to know specifically, I'll give it away a little bit because um, you are very data-driven, even if it doesn't seem obvious at the moment. But like, how do you, let's say, challenge the status quo that you really fit the market? And how do you manifest that? Oh, I think it's very easy. The, the client growth um, since the early day was yep. just huge. Right right now we have one fell that we place every day. We're booked out for the next two months almost. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest sign that uh, something uh, is working. <laughs> and, and also the requests we get from people that are interested, I think that's the one and only sign. In the end, if you're, you're making money, if, if people validate your, your, your product. And I think it's important that you have feedback channels built into the model so that you get feedback from the end customer and the B2B customers. And we have very detailed meetings with the corporates where we get their feedbacks and we can build that into the product. And many products 
are in the welfare as in food products because customers um, asked for it. Yeah. Um, there's many recipes or chocolate, for example. We refused in the beginning and we got so many requests for chocolate. <laughs> so now we have uh, two different kinds of chocolates in the welfare and adding uh, soon a third one. Okay, very cool. So when we move a little bit into, let's say, the future of, let's say, food and food tech in general, do you see like some kind of trends that like you can elaborate on so we can get a little bit of an understanding where your expertise lies? I think when it comes to food in general, it definitely goes a bit back to the roots. People are interested in more natural food, in less processed food, when it comes to packaging, when it comes to ingredients. The ingredient is, again, more in the, the focus, um, let's say. I think when we talk about technology, it's definitely also transparency. People want to know uh, where their food comes from, farm to table, um, a big topic in the US that is also making it now to Switzerland. And then, of course, all the, 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 the health trends like turmeric, uh, that is you know the most searched keyword or, or word in Google at this time that, of course, we look into and we, we yeah. build these products into the Felfel uh, offering as well. Um, when you look at, say, around you, uh, more of like the Swiss startup ecosystem, do you see, let's say, I'm not sure if you can compare it to, to Boston or Harvard, like what you saw there, but in general, do you see anything that like we could like maybe become better as as, as a group or as, a, as an ecosystem um, over the next couple of years, like something that you would see like well, that's maybe a challenge we have to work on, or maybe a strength that you see. I think people is definitely the, the, the biggest challenge we have. We have a lot of open positions. We're very selective mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to recruiting. Uh, in our business particularly, we need people that love what they're doing, that you know, they, they really want to go after this craftsmanship. They want to go to mastery. They love serving people. They love to work with people. And it's very hard to find these kind of, of, of people. Salaries, for example, an, an issue with, where in Switzerland is just a very high standard mm-hmm. for the amount of work that is put in. To. We both were in the US where it's very different mentality. You work you know, 24 hours, seven days, you're reachable. At the same time, you give employees maybe a bit more freedom in the US. We don't track hours and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I think the talent, bringing in uh, talent is a big, big challenge because of the, the, the stage of the company. The cultural fit is so, so important. So we really take care to get the right people. Of course, in Switzerland, it's not very easy to get very specialized talent. Yeah. Uh, so Finding, for instance, getting work permits for third state people is very tough. And this is something where, it's, from a sort of regulatory standpoint, we wish it would be a, a bit easier. But in general, I have to say, on balance, from before we started Felfel to now, I think Switzerland is actually a very easy place to start a business and a relatively easy place to, to find people, at least in the you know, earliest funding rounds to find people who, who will support the venture. The big difference, of course, is that the Swiss market is too small for most types of businesses. Mm-hmm. Art is an exception because it's food is, is an interesting market. But if you're creating a tech product, you need to be outwardly, think about other markets from the beginning. Because Switzerland is too small. Switzerland is too small. <clears throat> so sort of similar to Israel, right? In the States, you, your home market is already... Uh, big enough. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, like that gives away a bit about, about let's say, the couple of next year of Fulfill. Have you ever thought about, let's say, internationalization, globalization? Like, do you want to go global or what's your, what's your plan for the next couple of years? So the vision is very clear. Uh, <laughs> we want to make clear. sure that uh, no company 
serves or has no food um, for the employees. We want to get rid of mediocre food at work. And I think there, there's a lot of to-dos still in Switzerland. The next big expansion is Lausanne, uh, the Romandie in Switzerland, where there's a lot of companies that are still suffering uh, (laughs) before we probably think about a a potential next market, which might well be uh, another country in Europe. One last question before we go into uh, the questions that come from outside is a couple entrepreneur um, is kind of sometimes challenging work life. I had one other couple that was on my show. Maybe you can elaborate how it is to like, you know, live and work with the same person 24-7, I guess. Um, and maybe some tips you have for people who are, who are considering doing this. Do it! <laughs> <laughs> I think it depends a lot on the personalities. Yeah. So we got very lucky. Um, and I think you know, when we think about it ourselves, it's we have very similar values. Yeah. Things that we appreciate in life, things that we value, things that we, how you say, um, you know, where we not cross a, a, border. a, a border. And, and at the same time, our skill sets are very um, complementary. Mm-hmm. And that's how we also are divided within the company. Um, Manu is, is very much into the, the technology development at Felfel. Finance, he's also responsible for the sales team. And at the same time, I, I care about the, or I take care of the product, about the communication. Growth is a topic that is in, in, in my hands. And that's where really our skills are. So recommended. Or you just let your wife talk. <laughs> I think you have to have certain rules. Like, you know, we have some rooms in, in our home where we don't, don't talk, talk about work. business. Where, <laughs> okay. where, where devices are not allowed. Uh, uh, but otherwise, uh, it's, it, it's definitely fun to, to spend so much time with the, the person you like most. friend of mine, Bernard Fischer, who is also a journalist at the Humble Set, I'm sure you're aware of this uh, publication, he asked on the WhatsApp group that I run about whether you offer kosher food. Now, I'm Jewish, I use kosher, so that's why it's hard for me to eat, but I think we can broaden the question a little bit more into special dietary requirements. I mean, today you have lactose-free, you have vegan, you have vegetarian, gluten-free. Gluten-free, vegan, lactose-free. And and then people like me who want kosher. I'm working on it, I'm working on it. How do you cope with all of these different uh, requirements? If I read into his question a little bit. It's, of course, highly complicated. We have a limited space, um, but we have, again, uh, technology that helps us to put together a planogram. A planogram is what's brought into the Felfel each week, so the menu planning. We have tools for that to tell us, hey, do you have a vegan? Do you have beef? Do you have vegetarian? Do we have Italian? Do we have Swiss? It's very, very complicated, but we do have tools to help us. And at the same time, we see the trends. We see how many people eat vegan. And so we can also adjust, of course, um, if we see that more people want vegan. What's interesting is that even though we don't offer kosher and halal yet, the, the loyalty of the, these, uh, let's call them niche diet users, is even higher than the mainstream because mm-hmm. they're used to an environment where they have even fewer options than currently. Vegans in Switzerland and vegetarians often feel marginalized because it's very hard for them to find really good food yeah. readily around them because maybe the Weisse Kreuz around the corner only has a schnitzel. Currently, the ones that we do serve, which is uh, lactose-free, gluten-free, vegan and vegetarian, uh, and of course different kinds of meat, uh, all Swiss, they're super loyal. So they love uh, Velfel and are very attached to it. Mm-hmm. So I think if we, and at some point, have enough volume uh, where it makes sense to maybe at certain sites offer kosher halal, people would love it and we would be very, very loyal. I mean, imagine if you yeah. <laughs> had it in your... In your uh, and I mean, in, in the, if you look at the States, like in New York, 
kosher has also become a bit of a trend, correct yes. me if I'm wrong, but there's many restaurants <laughs> that offer it where non-kosher people eat kosher, so yes. maybe we can start a trend in Switzerland. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> well, I would definitely eat it. First question, how did you get your first paying client? First paying client was through a network uh, friend, as in someone, one of my old colleagues. Mm-hmm. He said, hey, I would love to have this in my office. Why don't you come by? And that's how it started. Okay, good. What's the best way to reach out to potential investors? Offer them food. How do you say that? Like, you said investors, customers, food is always like a great idea to start. Of course, through the stomach. Is that something that exactly. you say in English? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> and we actually have to say, we, we, one of our investors we found through angel.co in Switzerland. Okay. Because there were so few on, online on, yep. on Angel, we were sure only once and it was like, oh, we meet you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good. Tell us one startup lesson you learned the hard way. I think it goes back to people. People or also, I think, hiring certain talent early on. So, for oh. instance, I think hiring someone for tech very, very early on I guess one of the first hires would have been very smart because the tech and finance are sort of things that become embedded early on in the company. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do them super You want to ignore them for a long time because exactly. that's not the core. And think. as an entrepreneur, you think you start making yes. and selling. But if you don't have those in from the beginning, then you have to do cleanup later. Yes. And, and so we did, went, definitely went a through, a, through a cleanup phase <laughs> with, <laughs> with tech and hire. Should I ask more? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, if you have a role model in the startup world, who do you admire? I mean, I'm, I'm no, I, for me, it's maybe not, not startup, but it's more chefs. Okay. That for me are also <laughs> sort of startups. So definitely it's, uh, you know, Daniel Hum, Dan Barber, who really, uh, Daniel Hum, he's a Swiss guy yeah. who, who uh, did not finish his Ausbildung here and went to the U.S. And now he, you know, he's the, the master, best chef in the world. I think this is definitely somebody uh, we look up to. And we listen to a lot of sort of little speeches and read biographies of, of you know, big entrepreneurs where maybe not the whole personality are ones that we would look up to, but little elements that we take lessons from. Mm-hmm. You know, for instance, there's a bunch of Steve Jobs videos we've, we've seen around talent and how he thinks about recruiting, et cetera. It's really interesting. And then when you think about big visions and, you know, not sort of going with the flow, someone like Elon Musk, but these are people who are they're so far away from what we do, but some of the core ways of thinking that you can learn from. Sure. Elon Musk is probably one of the most mentioned person on my show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. Uh, so when you have to like, call yourself um, or define yourself, are you more of a risk seeker or risk averse and why? I think maybe a bit more risk averse, I would say. Just because I think we have a very strong, I say, desire to build a sustainable company, some, something that lasts for our employees, who we consider also our, our, our friends, uh, for our partnerships, for our customers. Um, we love to be in business. We love to be in business with people who love to be in business. And, and I think that's why we're probably more uh, risk adverse. We, we believe in value, not on short, short-term um, profits. Yeah. If you look at it that way. But then, of course, everything is a risk that we take. Every decision, every day, um, you have to be a risk taker if, if you have a startup. You know, company. <laughs> and in general, I think our approach to also what we tell the team is there's a few areas that you have to be careful with, like food safety, finance, etc. But the rest, we tell people to take risks and to really just ask for forgiveness later yeah. for most things because we don't have time to evaluate everything. Just do it. 
the last part, um, I'd like to give, get some of your expert advice. So um, I don't know what you feel where you are an expert in what kind of area of life or business, uh, but maybe share with my audience, um, each one of you, one short advice that you can give. Let's say it's entrepreneurship, it's in the food tech, and maybe the cuisine to cook. I don't know. Something that you would say, like, this is some advice I would like to give over for the next generation. <laughs> Hire people who love people, who love to engage, who have a passion for something, uh, who are eager to learn and grow. We have an expression in the company that we use very often called JFDI. Okay. Just freaking do it. <laughs> and that's, I think, the most important part of our business. It's about speed and just doing it, executing and not yes. waiting around and, and talking to people. Just do it. Okay, cool. Just do it. I love it. It's very good. I think it's uh, definitely important also for the Swiss mentality just to, to try doing it. So thank you very much to you guys for, for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much, everybody out there who stayed all the way till the end today of episode 109 with the entrepreneur couple of Fulfill. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. Hi, my name is Julian. I'm the co-founder of Mitipi. Um, this video will be live next Monday. Make sure to tune in and subscribe to this channel.